Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little about my co-host, folks. Do you know today is National Clean Up Your Room Day? That is the most, most worthless holiday for my co-host, folks, because she never allows her room to get dirty in the first place. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Hey, Sheila, how are you? I'm great, but I have to, in full disclosure, say that I have let things get not dirty in here, <laughs> but it is getting cluttery. I pack in all my mementos into my office to keep them safe because I find them inspirational. And then I realize that I have just a lot of crap in here, but it's all meaningful crap. Like your card that you gave me for Mother's Day. Oh, it's on my desk. I packed it into the office. It's going to go <laughs> on the shelf uh, right beside my signed copy of 12 Rules for Life. It's that important to me. <laughs> you gave me a wonderful Mother's Day card. And then you, I don't know if viewers can see it because my lights might blow it out <laughs> a little bit. But David has put like look on the back of the card and then he draws an arrow to the price. <laughs> <laughs> where he says that this card is worth seven ninety nine, um, although I know for a fact he didn't spend that much. And then, <laughs> oh wait a minute, Sheila. Me. On that point, I want to apologize to our viewers because I don't know what I was thinking. I gave uh, Sheila that card in person. And you know my old uh, adage, you go to Dollarama and you buy a card that it says 350 on the back, but you're only paying a dollar. And you always circle that just in case the person uh, doesn't uh, look at the price. Um, and I can tell you this, folks. I wish I had videoed uh, Sheila looking at the card because the of first thing did, she did you, you was flip it, it over and check out yeah. the price. <laughs> yeah, not because I care about the price. I wanted to see if you were as cheap with me as you are with your poor wife. And oh, apparently, yes, okay. you are. Because you had circled it to indicate the price. And then you got me this amazing. Also, this is, I don't know. Again, my lights are probably blowing this out. But it is uh, Red Sonia. It's still in the plastic. It's the she-devil with a sword. Now, I look nothing like the woman. I look nothing quite like the she-devil with a sword, but she has a sword, a couple of them, actually. She's got long red hair, and uh, she's pretty buxom. That's not me. <laughs> but I am going to definitely put this on the shelf in my cluttery office right beside my signed copy of 12 Rules for Life because it is very important to me. It's going to go beside 12 Rules for Life and my Bible. Just so you know how important a piece of literature this is for me. Um, well, so thank you again, Dave. Thanks well, for that. you are most welcome, Sheila. You're very deserving. And I just wanted to show you that you're not the only she-devil with a sword out there. There is, as you call her, the buxom red Sonia. She's Whatever buxom, buxom means. <laughs> I think I know what it means, but anyway. Yes, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Sheila, I think doing. this is the oh, point the of the way, show. Where you yeah, uh, the read way, the Riot Act in terms of the uh, YouTube rules, the rules. Uh, for lack of a better word. 
Also, you went through the um, special day that it is today. You said it was National Clean Up Your Room Day. That is true. It's also National Mother Ocean Day, which seems like um, new age garbage. Environmentalism <laughs> shoehorned into every single day of your life. Um, it's also a day without shoes day. <laughs> I've got a little story to tell about this. So I ran into this exact day or these exact people last year. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see my Twitter profile is my picture is me with my compound bow and I'm just shooting arrows at a styrofoam deer. That's what I do for fun. But I had posted that to my Instagram page and incidentally, I hadn't paid attention, but I wasn't wearing shoes in the picture. And the reason I wasn't wearing shoes is because I had just watered the plants and I was wearing Crocs. And so I was worried that I would slip out of my slippery Crocs when I was pulling on my compound bow, which is dangerous. So I kicked off my shoes. Well, I post this to my Instagram page and two days later, I'm not going to say they're fetishists, but I'm not going to say they're not fetishists, but some like do it without shoes people had taken my picture and posted it to their Instagram page. And they're like, look, even Sheila Gunn Reed says you can do archery with no shoes. And it's like, <laughs> you know what? Don't make a habit of this weirdos. Okay. I'm not going to get mad about this, but I am not your like foot fetishist archery lady. I'm not that lady. I just didn't want to slide out of my Crocs. So uh you know, I love I that photo, uh, Sheila, of you. And uh, <laughs> as we said on another uh, show, I think the super heroine you most resemble, it's not Red Sonia. It is the Huntress because she uses a compound bow. Um, she doesn't subscribe to um, Batman's disdain for the Second Amendment, and she will shoot to kill. And she wears a little cross, or at least she used to. She might be reimagined now sure. uh, that that sort of stuff is um, not tolerated anymore. She's oh, and I think she's buxom as well. So there you go. There's the trifecta. <laughs> she's probably trans at this point. Um, yes, and also in my email, it said it was National Denim Day, and I was so excited. So I'm like, oh, great. It's cold in the studio. I'll throw on my jean jacket. But apparently it was just a marketing ploy by Levi's, which well, I fell and... victim to. So here we are. <laughs> well, and one other one. It's National Washington Day. But given who's in the White House right now in Washington, I'm not celebrating that day, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Yeah, it was also uh, Mother's Day was also the same day as National No Socks Day, which is gross. <laughs> anyway, I guess there's a the joke there fish. about being uh, pregnant and barefoot in the kitchen or something like that. But I you other know, than that, I've got not, nothing. <laughs> that's not very PC anymore. Don't you know, mothers are can be whomever you want them to be. Um, we should tell everybody what we're, what we're doing. And then we've got a real uh, jam packed sausage of a day today. So we'll talk. We'll move right into the news. So Rebel News daily live stream we're hosting right now on YouTube, but there may, and it's getting better lately because we're sort of moving. There's other things happening as the world reopens, but there are things we can't talk about on YouTube. So if you are watching us on YouTube, just be aware there could come a point at which in the broadcast where we say, sorry, YouTube people, we have to cut the feed. Join us over on some of the other platforms like Getter, Odyssey, rumble and super you now getter we stream there but if you want to interact with us but more than interact with us support the work that we do might i suggest you watch us over on rumble odyssey and super you rumble allows you to leave a paid chat called a rumble rant odyssey is a hyper chat and super you is a super you shout and if you leave us a paid chat 
we'll do our best to read them on air. And I know sometimes we miss them, and I'm very sorry for that um, because we're trying to watch three separate platforms. We appreciate your support of the work that we do, and I apologize that sometimes we don't always see them as we're trying to round them up from three separate platforms, but realize we are not the CBC. We're just kind of a skeleton crew. I'm talking to a camera in my basement under the stairs and it's David and Olivia and maybe sometimes someone else. And that's all we use to run the show, not the gazillion people they have over at CBC. So I think that's everything. David, let's get into the news. Well, right off the hopper, I see you want to talk about um, a lapse in judgment. A liberal oh, MP apologizes. Oh my goodness. This is worse than a wardrobe malfunction. I think Sheila um, Malfunction is a neat way to call a fetish, but okay. Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> What's going on? This isn't the same liberal, because I don't think he's in caucus anymore, that no. showed up naked for a couple of this meetings, right? This is a new right? weirdo. This is a new weirdo. So it, this is, uh, sorry, let me just uh, round. You keep talking. Here we go. A liberal MP called Shafkat Ali has apologized for being called out by the Conservatives for participating in House of Commons proceedings virtually from a washroom stall on Friday. I guess he didn't hit mute. The incident took place on Friday afternoon in the House of Commons during a debate on a private member's bill. Private member's bill. I'm full of jokes. I'm just going to move past that. Oh, yeah. No Conservative (laughs) Conservative MP Layla Goodridge rose a point of order flagging to Assistant Deputy Speaker Alexandra Mendez that it appeared the Liberal MP for Brampton Centre was participating from a washroom. Following the interjection after checking with her officials, Mendez informed the House that a page has confirmed there was a member, Sheila, keep your jokes to yourself, that appeared to be in the washroom. I'd like to remind everyone that, especially online, we have to be very prudent on how we use our devices and be aware of the surroundings when you are online. I can't even. What is wrong with these people? What is wrong with these people? We had that other guy, um, the uh, Liberal MP William Amos from Quebec Pontiac, two times, two times naked on camera. Yep. Again, that is not an accident. That's a fetish. Um, and as I said in the morning meeting, in the before times, before the digital world, these people would just be weirdos standing uh, at the bus stop wearing a trench coat and no pants and just flashing people as they walk by. But now they have Zoom and they can just call it an accident or a lapse in judgment like that uh, reporter who is, I don't ringing his rag, for lack of a better term, <laughs> during um, a Zoom call with the staff. It, you know, Sheila, I, I love that explanation Liberal MP Amos gave for being nude on camera twice, that it was due to, quote, um, what was it, multi, hyperactive multitasking. Um, not so much multitasking that he wasn't able to spare five seconds to put shorts and a T-shirt on, mind you. Uh, I guess that went by the wayside. And I don't know about you, Sheila, when I attempt multitasking, I always do it in my birthday suit. But here's the thing, I, and you raised this in the morning oh, well, meeting. Just, I think the also, bigger just picture— just hang on for a second here. Just hang on for a second here. These people are paid to be in the House of Commons. Yep. 
you're you get the privilege of sitting on your butt at home and doing it virtually and still getting all your wage could you please just be dressed and ready to go this guy's stupid excuse for i think one of the first times was i i was changing into my work clothes after going for a jog jog <laughs> earlier be ready in front of your camera when it's time to go i don't understand why they think that since you work virtually that you don't get to take this seriously well that I think you nailed you nailed the point on the um, head of the nail, Sheila. They don't take it seriously. They yeah. they have contempt for the process of parliament. I mean, showing up naked, going to the bathroom, um, that's ridiculous. And it's an insult to the Canadian people. And you know what? Especially on the the most recent uh, scandal, it's gross. Who does that? You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what did they have to listen to? Like, what? I'm just so sorry for the, at least the conservative MPs in the House of Commons. I just, what were they subjected to? What kind of groans and moaning and just <laughs> pleading oh. and crying and whatever was going on in there? What, what were they subjected to? I just, I'm. I don't know. This is just awful. I feel bad when the morning meeting, which is like 8 a.m. our time. Uh, sometimes I have wet hair because I get kids at the door. Uh, I, you know, I get up early, I start working, then I get the kids at the door, then I jump in the shower and then I come down and we start the day. And sometimes I have wet hair. Today I had wet hair, but I was fully clothed and I feel bad when I don't, when I have wet hair because I feel like I'm not ready quite for work. And I don't work, make anywhere near what these liberal MPs pay themselves. Be ready for work. Just be ready. I don't understand. Yeah. No, I don't understand either. And an accident is one thing and being careless is another thing. But if you are correct that this is some kind of fetish, how do these people sure get elected? Is. And Sheila, not, not to drill down too deep in the details, but with this washroom stall business, was it <laughs> simply audio or was the unfortunate video part of the package? I don't know. I don't know. And I sent this the clip yesterday as the sort of the story was breaking. I sent it to poor Maurizio, um, who clips these sorts of things for us. So hopefully he can find that and uh, we can find out for sure. And um, I, so I guess watch the Rebel News social channels. If we find it, we'll publish it. And I'm sorry in advance. I'm just so sorry. Gee, I don't know what the call to action is for our uh, viewers, Sheila. Maybe... Um... When it comes to the former Liberal MP, uh, Amos, uh, what MP would you most like to see naked? That's all I got. I'm probably going to get in trouble for that like I did the last. Yeah, yeah you are. Yeah. I'm giving it to you right now. By the way, uh, Olivia, maybe Efron too, there's a slight buzz in the audio. And I'm hearing it, and I thought maybe it was just me. But I see that our friend Margaret has indicated that she is also hearing a slight buzz too. So I don't know if maybe it's... Uh, Something going on, but there's a slight buzz. Anyway, you guys okay. will sort that out. And uh, viewers at home, if you're hearing a slight buzz, we're working hard to sort that out and figure out exactly what that is. David, what's the next thing we well, need I to see talk about? We have some video we can throw to uh, Trudeau in Kiev. Uh, I guess he pulled himself away from a U2 concert uh, in order to actually uh, in a war try zone. to state something that's going to ha ha help the people of Ukraine. Goodness knows what that would be. 
so before we uh, opine, why don't we uh, take a look at this video and uh, see what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had to say. I'm sure it's profound. The Ukrainian language and culture has been celebrated and protected and taught in the kinds of schools that uh, young people across the country, like our proudly Ukrainian-Canadian Deputy Prime Minister, attended when she was a young girl. The ties between Canada and Ukraine run deep. And if Vladimir Putin wants to keep handing out sanctions, he's going to have to sanction, oh, about 38 million Canadians uh, before we even begin to notice. And secondly, uh, we will continue to do whatever is necessary to stand with Ukraine, uh, not just because it's the right thing or because Ukrainians are our friends, but because it is also standing for the principles of democracy that keep Canadians safe, that pe people keep people around the world safe. You know, it's kind of funny, uh, Sheila, when he talks about 38 million Canadians being sanctioned. You mean like they're being sanctioned by the federal Justin Trudeau yeah. liberals? Gas in the GTA hit $2 a litre for the first time in history. I know it's hit that benchmark in other parts of the country. That's due to indirect sanctioning in terms of keeping our energy underground and not building uh, pipelines. So I just found that rich about uh, Trudeau's lecturing Putin ab about sanctions when he's doing it to his own people. Yeah, I mean, what's Putin doing? He's sanctioning people who are disagreeing with his policies financially. Sounds a lot like something Justin Trudeau just did to the truckers, doesn't it? Oh, um, good point. <laughs> Secondarily, we need to issue a correction from yesterday. Adam and I talked about uh, Justin Joe bringing his son to Kiev. That was a picture from a couple of years ago. So Justin Trudeau did not bring his son to Kiev in a war zone, in like a nuclear hot zone. However, it was so easy to believe that he did. Yeah, you know, but that was from a couple of years ago. So I just want to issue that correction. So, um, the uh, yes, actually, people, you can get out of my email mentions now. Um, also, I thought it was interesting how Justin Trudeau, um, he says that uh, Ukrainian is taught in schools all across the country and the language and cult culture is protected in schools all across Canada. That He really went out of his way to mention to to leave Alberta out of his mouth because it's not happening all across the country. It is happening in Northeast Central Alberta. <laughs> That's where they teach Ukrainian in school. That is where they protected um, Ukrainian cultural artifacts when they came here because it was Catholic priests who realized that the Soviet crackdown happening in Ukraine um, was dismantling Ukrainian culture. So what they did was they rounded up all these cultural artifacts and they kept them, I think it's in the Basilian Fathers um, uh, Museum in Northeast Central Alberta. That's where that culture was preserved. It was Canadian Ukrainian dancers, but dancers from Alberta who went after the fall of communism to reteach um, Ukrainian dance to Ukrainians who'd had their culture suppressed for 70 years. This didn't happen all across Canada. Yep. It happened in primarily Alberta and Saskatchewan, where the culture and language um, and history of 
pre-Soviet Ukraine was preserved. But Justin Trudeau sure went out of his way to keep Alberta and the prairies out of his mouth while, you know, sort of claiming that he did that and that the rest of the country did that. No, it was us. You know, Sheila, I can vouch for what you said because I began my uh, journalism career, <laughs> such as it is, in uh, northeastern <laughs> Alberta. That would be St. Paul. And near St. Paul, there was a little village called Murnham. And there Murnum. was a hockey league. <laughs> Do you know Murnham? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> it's got great spring water. You just pull over your car, folks, uh, to the side of the highway, and there's a culvert, and you fill up your um, empty containers with uh, delicious Don't drink out of the ditch, people. Spring water. What's that? <laughs> Don't drink out of the ditch, people. Please. No, I not know out that of the David ditch. Menzies... <laughs> Don't do that. Anyway. But they needed... They needed a uh, goaltender, and uh, so I signed myself up to this team. I swear, Sheila, I was the only non-Ukrainian player on that hockey team. <laughs> it was called the Murnum Marksman. It was a very unfortunate logo. It was a target, which I painted on my goalie mask. Uh, I would later learn that in warm-up they were aiming for the target, not the net, which uh, was right on my face. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you're right, uh, a very vibrant, rich Ukrainian culture there. And um, yeah, so uh, it, it is not something, as Prime Minister Trudeau would say, is common right across our dominion. No, and I think it was actually the Alberta Ukrainian community uh, who, who sort of put together the money to have an embassy um, after the fall of communism. It was them who sort of put together the em like sort of got the the fundraising going but yeah it's not the rest of the country where's the world's largest easter egg the pasenka in vegerville yep. world's largest pierogi that's out here world's largest kubasa that's out here it it's he just went really hard to uh sort of feign that quebec and ontario were sort of involved in preserving ukrainian culture but it is so much a part of everything out here um but as usual, we get forgotten all the time, just like Justin Trudeau's famous, uh, I think it was a Canada Day address where he listed all the provinces and forgot us. Oh, fine. I'll get out. That's <laughs> fine. Well, twice Don't he addressed. a good time. <laughs> well, well, Sheila, twice he addressed uh, an anniversary of the Holocaust and he left out the largest group that uh, was murdered during the Holocaust twice. Yeah. You know, and uh, by the way, I just want to say this too, Sheila. Uh, I'm going back to my hockey days in northeastern Alberta. Whenever we played on a native reserve, you know, and this is going to shock the Starbucks downtown Toronto liberals who are on a jihad to get rid of all native uh, logos and names. Can you possibly guess? And this is Alberta at the height of the Edmonton Oilers dynasty and Edmonton's just two hours south. Can you possibly guess which jersey? The natives, with their own money on the reserve, were wearing. Care to Blackhawks? Blackhawks. Exactly. And the and the yeah. local team was probably called the Braves. Yeah, yeah I know. But what do yeah. they know? I guess that's yeah. the liberal uh, intelligentsia for you. I guess the natives are too dumb to realize they're being offended, so we'll get offended for them and ban the stuff they love to wear. What madness! Um. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll maybe I'll call for it later. But guys, if you're looking at uh, there's this one weird clip from the World Economic Forum where this guy built a floating hovel out of garbage, and the World Economic <laughs> Forum talks about it as though it's like art, 
and sort of the way of the future and this guy's way of speaking truth to power. But I'm pretty sure he's just a homeless guy who rounded up some garbage. But anyways, if maybe I think Ezra retweeted it. So maybe if we could find that, um, I just want to talk about that just a slight little bit later. Uh, well, David, what's next on the agenda? If that homeless guy is building a home out of garbage near the World Economic Forum, why doesn't he move to California? He could build a mansion out of garbage there. <laughs> this guy built a houseboat out of garbage, <laughs> which, you know, good hustle. But I'm not sure that's the best way you want to live your life. Like, it just, I I don't know. It, and it, it does look like garbage. It's like hardly good stuff. Like, it's not like he found good stuff and built a houseboat. My greenhouse is all reclaimed things. So I'm, I'm, that's how this conservative recycled. But this is just like uh, this, he looped together all the floating garbage pieces and he's heading down the river and the World Economic Forum is like, yep, see, you will own nothing and be happy. Have a look at that. But anyways, let's move on to the next thing that uh, is on our list of things to talk about. That would be a video clip. Well, what do you know? Jean Charest is doubling down on Pierre Polyev not being fit for leader for his support of the truckers' convoy. Oh, my goodness. What a way to lose a room, lose a party, lose the grassroots, that is. Let's just see what Mr. Charest is up to right now. At one point, you, you called the convoy that... that um took up most of uh, most of January and February here in the nation's capital, illegal, and you were booed uh, in the room when you made that comment. Yeah. Does that show yeah. that you are at odds with what conservatives believe in and, and, and believe yeah. people should have the right to do? Yep. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and, and that's the room. But the room is different from uh, the membership of the party, which has a, a very simple view. And by the way, to be very clear, Rosemary, there's no one who says that we're not allowed to protest in the country and to uh, and to express sure views. I mean, we all agree with that. I mean, it's, it's obvious. The, the issue's simple. We're not allowed to have an illegal blockade. And you just, you know, you can't do that. And uh, whether it's uh, one group or another. And uh, to sure. the point where I'm actually proposing in this campaign a piece of legislation for the country to protect strategic infrastructure. Illegal blockades cost the country jobs and money mm -hmm. and the freedom of other people. And I'm saying that if you're a member of the House of Commons, supporting an illegal blockade is not something that you should be doing. And it's a test of leadership. And, and obviously, Mr. Sure. Fadiev fails the test. Yeah, and, I, and I've heard you say that before. And in fact, you've said it should disqualify him as leader. I think I think the problem is, is that the vast majority of the caucus, the caucus that, that exists right now support Mr. Poiliev. So does that not show that you maybe have a different understanding of freedom than than the party right now? No, I would not. I would not extend or interpret that uh, that way. And I've been in leadership races and you've seen other leadership races where caucus members choose to uh, support is one thing and the reasons that may motivate them are, are very varied. I'm very clear on that. It's a question of principle for me, Rosemary. Mm -hmm. And I've been, you know, in politics a long time. If you make laws and you change laws, you don't have the option to actually support people who break the law. You know, Sheila, I'm going to give Rosemary Barton credit here because I call him as I see him, like the umpire yeah. behind home plate. Those were good questions. It sure. was the answers that were horrible. Um, you know, when it came to the different understanding, yeah, uh, Jean Charest has a different understanding. It's called this. He has absolutely no understanding of what conservative <laughs> grassroots uh, people want and support.
Um, wow, that I mean, there's so much to unpack there, uh, Sheila. And when he, but I think the main point, and I want to get your opinion on this, <clears throat> when he talks about the block, uh, the protests costing jobs, costing the economy. Oh, you mean like the two years plus of lockdowns this Dominion went through? You mean like the all the king's horses and all the king's men descending on Adamson Barbecue uh, to shut it down, even though there was a food service outlet 400 meters away at the Costco operating just fine and dandy? You mean people uh, being fired, essentially, for not getting the jab, uh, no more my body, my choice, which has now come back into vogue again, I see, with the uh, Road v. Wade uh, decision in the headlines. This guy is so out of touch, Sheila. I I'm beginning to think he went into a coma going back to 1993 uh, when uh, uh, the, uh, the Brian Mulroney uh, progressive conservatives, which they were called back then, uh, were decimated. They were, they were turned into the Mazda Miata party, meaning you could have a PC caucus meeting in a two-seater Miata because that's what they had, two seats. <laughs> You know, this guy, first of all, he refused to take Alexa Lavoie's questions. Yep. But he'll do a sit-down interview with Rosie Barton. That should tell you just how in tune he is to the conservative grassroots. Uh, secondarily, he says, there's no one who says that protesting should be illegal. Justin Trudeau literally made it illegal by invoking the Emergencies yep. Act. So what do you mean? What do you mean there's nobody who says that? The government said that and then seized people's assets willy-nilly we have order paper questions where they said there's literally no standard by which they judged your uh your finances to be seizable or not they just did it whatever they felt like there was no standard they said we left it up to the banks the banks decided and the banks are saying we just did what they told us to do yeah. um then um he says you know that was just the room at the Manning Center conference or whatever they call it, the Canada Strong and Free Conference. It's the Manning Center conference. Let's not pretend here. So he says, that's just the room that booed me. At the Manning Center conference, those are the fancy conservatives. If you lost the fancy conservatives, you definitely lost the grassroots, the blue collar guys, the um, oil patch guys, the truckers, the farmers, the guys who work in blue collar unions out here in Alberta, like CLAC and, um, you know, the pipeliners, you've lost all of them too. If you've yep. lost the fancy conservatives who are spending hundreds of dollars plus flights, plus hotels and accommodations to network at whatever they call the Manning Center Conference now, those are the fancy conservatives. When they are booing you, you bet your ass the blue-collar conservatives are done with you. Oh, 100%. Last week, Sheila, when you and I co-hosted our live stream of the debate coverage, there was a clear winner. That would be Pierre Polyev. I'm going by the applause meter. And there was a clear loser, and that was Jean Charest. And I'm yeah, nobody not else even, was booed. Uh, <laughs> boos? <laughs> jeers? You can, and the worst yeah. thing, Sheila, I don't know if you picked it up on the feed, but I did, derisive laughter. When you when people are literally laughing out loud at your comments, uh, you have lost the room. I want to make a personal appeal to Mr. Charest. Please, please, sir, follow the lead of Leona Alislav. A week ago Friday, she 
bowed out of the conservative leadership debate, uh, or sorry, uh, running for conservative leader because she failed to come up with the $300,000 in fees. Gee, I wonder why. Is it because Leona Alislav is a liberal? That's how she was elected uh, in 2015. I did a commentary about this, folks, last week. And then, of course, in 2018, she crossed the floor. Why? A change in philosophy? No, the scuttlebutt is. Uh, internal polling showed that her riding of Aurora Oak Ridge's Richmond Hill was it's a swing riding and it was going to go Tory blue. And it did. And uh, but you know what, Sheila, karma's a witch, isn't it? Because in 2021, it swung back again. So Leona outsmarted herself. Uh, she's out of a job. People realize that she is a liberal in conservative clothing. Jean Charest is a liberal in conservative clothing. And the other one, sneaky Patrick Brown, uh, he's worse than a liberal in conservative clothing. This is Mr. Backroom Deal Guy. His first major policy announcement uh, was delisting the Tamil Tigers as a terrorist group, unlike 33 other nations in the world, folks. Patrick Brown will say and do Anything, anything, if he thinks it'll gain him a vote or three. So, Sheree and Brown, please follow Leona Alislav's lead. Let's get the field down to four. You may like and not like some of the people up there, folks, but at least the remaining four uh, you can actually pass off as actual conservatives as opposed to these phonies and frauds that somehow get attracted to the conservative party, Sheila, as opposed to, I don't know, the liberal party or the NDP party. It's because their ideology is power and not um, actually conservatism. And I think Jean Charest has also misread the room in that I think Patrick Brown was designed to be the the kamikaze candidate here that he's supposed to generate momentum but not enough to win and then throw his support behind Jean Charest. Yep. But Patrick Brown has, like, he's non-existent support. So there's no support to throw behind Jean Charest down the road. So Jean Charest is sort of languishing in, I guess, second, I maybe, I don't know, but Roman Baber had a good um, showing in that debate. So I'd be curious to see where the polling of Conservative Party members is at now with respect to who's number one, who's number two. You know, I'd love to hear Jean Charest say something about the curfew that happened in Quebec and the vaccine passport that happened in Quebec, his province. But we didn't hear a word from him until he wanted to run for the conservative leadership. He never showed any leadership in the interest of freedom in the last two years, and now he's trying to define what freedom is for the rest of us? Sorry, no thanks. The only good news out of his leadership run is that I'm surprised to find out that he was still alive. You know, when he decided <laughs> to run again, I was like, oh, yeah. He's not Sheila, dead yet. Good for him. He's I would like right to know how much he got paid by Huawei during the debate. I believe Pierre Polyev asked him that question, and I don't jest, folks. I think it was 17 times. And Jean Charest turned in a question about Huawei into some diatribe about um, religious uh, clothing and symbols. I mean, it was like asking someone a question, what kind of car do you drive? And the answer is, uh, my curtains are green. Uh, This guy is so 
non-transparent, Sheila, if he's like this, vying to be a candidate uh, for the leadership of the Conservative Party, could you imagine what he'd be like as prime minister? He would be, even if he were in the House of Commons in opposition, as the opposition leader, it would be Justin Trudeau not answering whatever question was asked of him and talking about whatever he wanted to talk about, and then Jean Charest doing the same. And nothing would ever get done, because we would have two people talking about completely irrelevant things all day in the House of Commons. Now, with regard to Huawei, I think Efron just clipped uh, Charest's response to Barton about Huawei. So maybe oh, let's throw to that. Yeah. <laughs> Just to go back to uh, one of the exchanges that you had on Thursday night with Pierre Poiliev, it, it was around Huawei uh, because you did do some work for them yeah. when you were at, inside a law firm. You, you have said that if you were to become the leader and then the prime minister, you would ban Huawei from Canada, as yeah. have other Five Eyes countries. But I wonder what you would tell Canadians about how comfortable you are uh, having taken money from Huawei and then turning around and saying that you will ban them. It, there does seem to be a, a bit of a conflict of interest there, Mr. Shahi. I worked in the private sector, Rosemary. I worked in the private sector, like millions of Canadians work in the private sector. And no one should have to apologize because they actually had a job. And, uh, and, and not in that everyone respect, wants to leave the country, though, Mr. Charest. That's the difference. Well, well, yes. Well, you know, I, I still, uh, the principle remains the same, Rosemary. And I represented uh, a number of clients. I never represented any, anyone, any circumstances whose interest was contrary to the interest of Canada. It, it may not have been contrary to the interest of Canada, but you're now saying you'd ban the company. So those two comments don't really reconcile well, themselves. And, and the, Harper the Harper government, of which Mr. Poitier was part of, brought in Huawei into the country. So what is, you know, what happened? Of course, circumstances change, Rosemary. The yeah, situation exactly. evolves. That's what happens. And that's part of life. And so you deal with the situations and the circumstances and the evidence that you have. It's that simple, Rosemary. And, uh, and all my political life, that's the principle I lived by, is that whatever I do, it, it's not going to be contrary to the interest of my own country. And by the way, I'm proud through that to have participated and helped in freeing the two Michaels by sorting out that situation. Wow, you know, I, again, uh, I'm in the department of giving credit where credit is due. Rosemary Barton's asking the right questions. Unfortunately, she's not getting the answers. And one of the questions, you know, when when um, Sheree was saying, um, I work in the private sector, as do so many other Canadians, and Rosemary interjected and said, uh, the difference is uh, you're running for office and his answer, Sheila, was the principle remains the same. No, it doesn't, because the millions of Canadians working in the private sector are not running for political office, including the highest office in the land, i.e. prime minister. What the hell is he talking about? Does he think no one's paying attention, Sheila? And I'm getting pretty sick of him using, well, uh, Harper allowed this, so yeah. then I guess it's fine. You know, for the Liberals, Harper is the boogeyman, and for um, Sheree, Harper's the crutch. When Harper allowed Huawei into the country, we didn't know Huawei was doing all the things that it's doing. But when Jean Sheree worked for, for Huawei, we knew they were doing all the things that they were doing. Um, and it's really interesting to hear him say, I worked in the private sector. I'm not sure that I could call the state-affiliated spy arm of the CCP the private sector. You were working for the Chinese government by proxy.
whether you want to admit it or not. While Sheree worked for Huawei, they were developing AI software to identify yeah. Uyghurs and stick them in re-education camps. That's what they were doing. You know what? These political lifers, Sheila, the way they operate on the premise of that was then, this is now. And I'm going to go back to sneaky Patrick Brown again. Um, as I said, his major policy statement is to declassify the Tamil Tigers as a terrorist organization and deliver, if prime minister, an apology uh, to the Tamil Tigers. I wonder if he's also going to dig up tens of millions of dollars a la Omar Khadr uh, oh, for the for Tamil sure. Tigers, too. But here's the point, Sheila. In uh, Patrick Brown was an MP in the Harper government going back to 2006. In 2009, in the Sri Lankan Civil War, the Tamil Tigers were essentially dismantled. Why is it back then Patrick Brown didn't raise in the House Canada should do more for the Tamil Tigers or do more for the Tamils of Sri Lanka. Because in 2006 to 2009, there was no political capital to be earned by Patrick Brown. But suddenly in 2022, when there is a large diaspora of uh, Tamils in the greater Toronto area, there is political capital to be earned, and suddenly he's all about the Tamil Tigers. And Sheila, with all the problems we have, gas at over two bucks a liter, groceries, the inflation there in the supermarket, it's horrific. How many Canadians are going to bed at night going, golly, I hope we get a prime minister that declassifies the Tamil Tigers as a terrorist group. But again, these politicians like Sheree and Brown, they don't think we're paying attention to the chronology. They don't think we're paying attention to what they said in yesterday. And I'm sorry, guys, we are, and you are frauds. Um, Because I don't think it's about getting elected to be the prime minister. I don't think that's his intent because I think his intent is to throw support behind Jean Charest. Yeah. What he really wants is to get elected federally in his riding. Yeah. So he needs to round up really a couple hundred votes because that'll be what'll put him over the top in his riding. And that's why this very local issue has taken the national spotlight. And he thinks, oh, I... When Jean Charest is prime minister, <laughs> don't bet on that horse. But when Jean Charest is that is prime minister, then I'll get to be finance minister. I'll get to be his Christian Freeland. That's what Patrick Brown is doing here. That's what he's doing with making this Tamil Tiger issue a thing. He just needs a couple hundred votes to get over the top in his own riding, and then he'll get to be somebody important in Jean Charest's cabinet. A hundred percent. And, you know, Sheila, that is how the game is played. Patrick Brown knows this. Patrick Brown knows that in some GTA writings, if you can imagine, uh, Tamils make up about 10 percent of the electorate. And if he can sway that in his favor, you know, Sheila, I know these are the rules of engagement, but I hate how this game is played. I, when I see this kind of crap happening, um, you know, the identity politics uh, issue as opposed to what's good for the country at large. It, I think it's appalling. It makes me sick to my stomach, Sheila. Yep. Now we should move on to a couple of the things that are in the headline of the YouTube description of the video today that 
our live stream because otherwise I get emails. So um, there's this new story in the Globe and Mail today, which is interesting because it's written in the Globe and Mail, and they get a lot of money from Justin Trudeau to parrot the government talking points. So naturally, this is what we're seeing. The majority of Canadians support federal government's plan to regulate the internet. A Nanos research poll commissioned by the Globe and Mail, naturally, found that 55% of Canadians support or somewhat support greater government regulation of the internet. And oh, this is Sheila, as we, as I want to see the methodology there. Pieces. Yeah. It, and, you know, there, there are two separate pieces of legislation designed to control the internet that are coming right now. Um, and I just don't, I, I would like to see the methodology. I don't think people are being told what internet regulation actually means when the liberals do it, they're going to downrank um, or even have, um, you know, search engines hide places like Rebel News. But, you know, we could end up with warnings on our content, not self-imposed ones to be sort of cheeky. But with YouTube being the world's second largest search engine, we could be shadow banned from there unless you went directly to our page and looked for what we were posting you might not ever be able to find us if you put us into an internet search you might not be able to find us there i mean this is it's going to be a nightmare for small independent non-government funded news organizations to make a go of it yep. um, and tell the other side of the story and i don't think people fully understand that especially if you get all your news from the mainstream media who are paid by Justin Trudeau to support the government narrative. All of this is great for them because as long as they kiss Justin Trudeau's butt, they turn up in the search engine results. So of course they're going to push for this. They, they are low liability, low liability advocates of this policy. There's, it's no skin off their back if the government censorship comes in because they won't be the ones being censored because they don't stand for journalistic freedom. They just stand for, you know, survival at this point for, of themselves. You know, Sheila, uh, two points I'd like to make. One, as I said, I'd love to see the methodology. I hearken back to a book written by ex-Wall Street Journal uh, editor and reporter Cynthia Cross and many years ago called Tainted Truth, where she showed that torquing a scientific study or a poll, just a degree, can dramatically alter the outcome. So people should be aware of that. It, you know, I'll give an example, too. In 2019, I remember being at the Music Hall in Toronto. It was an appearance by Justin Trudeau and some senior liberals. They were basically in campaign mode because it was on the um, cusp of um, the SNC-Lavalin scandal and uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould stepping down. And I'll never forget that as a pitch for carbon taxes, Climate Barbie comes up and takes the mic. And this is what she says, Sheila. Hands up, everybody that's against pollution. Well, nobody in their right mind is not going to put their hand up. But she's obviously con conflating pollution with... Right. Exactly. So it's, it's not... Uh, hands up how many want to see a price on carbon? How many want to see another 10 cents on a liter of gasoline? No, no. The question is, who is against pollution? Well, everyone's against pollution. Everybody in their right mind, that is. Secondly, assuming that the uh, methodology was A-OK, -okay, this is chilling to me because what it suggests, Sheila, is that there has been so much indoctrination 
uh, especially by the youth of our country. As I said uh, last week, F, uh, sorry, freedom is the new F word uh, right now. And the idea that you can go online and say something offensive and that should be removed. And when I say offensive, I don't mean, Sheila, defamatory or libelous. No, right. Like life begins at conception, that kind of offensive. Yeah, we have we already have laws and it was ever thus against libel and defamation. But we're talking about uh, a group of snowflakes, I would say, that have been so indoctrinated that they feel that uh, the Internet should just be a happy thought place. Um, I hope that's not the case, but maybe that's what this poll speaks to, uh, the indoctrination in schools and uh, universities and colleges where um, this whole idea of freedom, it's not really good. In fact, it's kind of dangerous. That's what they're being taught. Well, and I don't really care what the polls say, by the way, because the right to free press and free expression is not contingent on mob rule. Yeah, It's actually those things are entrenched in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to protect them from being harmed by mob rule. I don't care if 75 percent of Germans thought it was a good idea to stick Jews in concentration camps. You know what I mean? You don't you don't grant or take away human rights like free expression and free thought and the free press based on mob rule. Their rights because they need to be protected from the will of the mob. But Sheila, we are seeing mob rule get its way every day. I hearken back to my alma mater at Ryerson University last summer, the mob, literally a mob, not a cancel culture thought mob, but a mob classic went to the campus of Ryerson. They beheaded the uh, doc- the statue of Dr. Egerton Ryerson, pulled it down. Immediately, um, the faculty and a large part of the student body stopped referring to Ryerson as Ryerson. They called it University X. And then just last month, they came up with a new name for it, Toronto Metropolitan University, which kind of sounds like a subway stop. In any event, yeah. Sheila, what I'm saying to you that literal mob rule of pulling down the statue set the process in motion to expunge the name despite some 80 plus years of that university being named Ryerson. So I'm afraid we, uh, the people in charge are bending the knee. Sure. But I just think when it goes into the issue of like human rights, that is particularly protected against mob rule. I suppose public opinion might come and go with regard to a statue and that's a little bit different i disagree with it i i disagree with the idea of erasing history but history it, like that sort of stuff you can you might change the name of something based on opinion polling but you don't change whether or not human beings are innate are innately granted the right to we're not granted but have the right to express themselves that should never be subject to the mob look at these maniacs yeah who bows to those people? We've run into those characters before. They're the Toronto edition of Antifa, several of them. And uh, I guess that's okay what they want. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, kind of funny, Antifa, a contraction of anti and fascist, and yet they employ the tools of fascist. Sheila, Erasing history. E- erasing history seems kind of fascist to me. Um, <laughs> you know, Sheila, I um, see no. we're less than 10 minutes away from 1 o'clock. We've... We- we got to get to one more thing because oh, okay. it's in the headline of the YouTube uh, YouTube 
it's the YouTube headline. So we've got uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, big, beautiful Ron DeSantis, one of my favorite politicians to ever walk the face of the earth. Um, he has established November 7th as Victims of Communism Day to honor those who have suffered under communism and to remind people of the destruction communism has caused worldwide, including a death toll exceeding 100 million people. This is so important because the far left rewrites their own history all the time, that they are just some sort of benevolent movement of sharing and caring and egalitarianism, completely the opposite. It's all about um, equal suffering. And uh, anyways, let's run this clip of Big Ron. Okay. B395 which will officially designate November 7th as Victims of Communism Day to honor the more than 100 million people who have fallen victim to communist regimes across the world. Day, uh, I... You know, Sheila, um, that's going to get a lot of blowback by the far sure left. Sure it is. And I, I don't call the far left the far left anymore. I call them Marxists because this is what they espouse. And if you think they're I the mainstream folks, left, by the way, they're the mainstream me? left. They're the mainstream left now. They yeah. have taken over the entire left wing movement. And that's why people like Elon Musk are looking around saying, I guess I'm a conservative now, or at least maybe not a conservative, but I guess I'm sort of libertarian at this point because they look over at those other people and say, no, thanks. A hundred percent. And Sheila, I urge our viewers, if you want some reading material, get Mark Levin's book, his most recent book, uh, American Marxism, because Levin makes the point, and quite brilliantly, that to call these people far left or progressives, it's not harsh enough. This is what you need to call them, American Marxists, and we have our own Canadian Marxists uh, here in our dominion. That's what it's all about. It is espousing the philosophy of Marxism tear everything down and build it up the way you want to build it out in your so-called uh, communist uh, utopia. And of course, we see by all the nations in the world, Sheila, that have espoused that philosophy, it doesn't quite work out in reality like it looks on paper, does it? Venezuela, Cuba, North Korea, China. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> they aren't good places. They're not, they're not nice. Um, and you know what? This is... Um, not the first time the left has um, tried to rewrite their own history when a monument against communism or in favor of the victims of communism has been uh, kicked around and the thought bubble sort of floated. Back in 2013, and I recognize this right off the top of my head, as soon as I saw Big Ron tweeting about this, I thought, ah, I know what exactly the response he's going to get because these people are so uncreative. Uh, in 2013, Jason Kenney, back when he was cool and cared about f freedom and human rights, um, there was a proposal um, when Jason Kenney was the Minister of Multiculturalism for a monument to honor the 100 million plus victims of communism. Oh, I left Cambodia off that list too, sorry. Um, anyways, mm. um, Back in the day in 2013, Jason Kenney was tweeting about um, the victims of communism monument and how the federal government was going to kick in $1.5 million to build this thing. And uh, Elizabeth May says, no mention of a monument to victims of capitalism. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, and so Jason Kenny back again, back when he was cool, replies, perhaps that's because no one was shot in the back while risking their lives to flee eastward over to the uh, over the Iron Curtain into East Germany. It was always the other way around. You know, Sheila, what happened to the 2013 version of Jason Kenny? Bring him back. Uh, I think if you ask Pastor Art about being a victim of communism, he'd not exactly. be talking about the old world, uh, Poland, but the uh, new world, Calgary. I think he's under house arrest still, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, Jason Kenney also replied that perhaps because free societies didn't murder tens of millions of people in gulags and planned famines. Again, back when Jason Kenney was cool, but these people are so predictable. Elizabeth May's response here, if you go underneath of Ron DeSantis's tweet, you're going to see a bunch of people with Ukrainian flags um, in their bio and probably their pronouns saying, what about the victims of capitalism? <laughs> Every time. Anyway. Unbelievable. Okay, let's get to uh, some of our chats. And thank you to everybody who sent them. Appreciate that very much. Um, we've got Fraser McBurney, full cap locks engaged. He gives us five bucks and says, when I was younger, I called the left, the left. Later, I called the left, loony left. Now I call the left, idiot left, because they're idiots, or at least useful idiots. You know um, what? Not strong enough, I say. I go back to what I was saying earlier about adopting Mark Levin's descriptor, uh, Marxist, American Marxist, Canadian Marxist, because being idiots, being foolish, um, that could have like comic consequences. But with Marxism, you're always dealing with blood. You're always dealing with death. And that's the bottom line. That's what you should be calling these people. And looking at it through a Christian worldview, I see uh, Marxism and communism, the far left wing, whatever you want to call it. It's an ideology of, um, of envy, of covetousness, which is inherently sinful. Yep. They want everybody to be equal because they covet what you have, but they are not willing to work to get it. Um, I forget who pointed it out. Um, it was over the weekend at the student journalism conference. You know, when when people with that sort of worldview look at someone driving by in a fancy car, they say, oh, you know, how do I how do I take from him? and have that too. And Americans so often look at that and say, boy, I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna get a car like that. Um, and it's just sort of those different worldviews where, you know, like one sees an opportunity to work hard and the other one sees, and it's envy, it's greed, it's covetousness, which is inherently sinful and evil. You're 100% right, Sheila. And I don't know if a super producer Efren can source this clip. I know he was my cameraman, but a few years ago, uh, we were covering, it was some student protest at the University of Toronto, and uh, some of the oddballs that were on the periphery, uh, there was this lady that was selling, um, I didn't know if she was selling, I thought she was just giving it away, uh, it was a communist newspaper. So she went on her anti-capitalist rant, and I said, oh, so this is what you're hawking here, this communist newspaper. And I said, okay, well, thanks for your time. And I start to walk away. And she went, hey, wait a minute, two bucks. And I went, two bucks for this? She says, well, yeah, we have our costs, you know. And suddenly 
<laughs> you were just redistributing it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly she's making the case for capitalism to recoup the costs of putting out a communist. <laughs> yeah, they did the same thing. They did the same thing when Greta Thunberg came to Edmonton to basically campaign for Rachel Notley. Um, and they, the communists in Edmonton had their little like table set up and they were selling their merch. And I was like, just you can't you're not putting those two together okay whatever um yeah they can't even practice what they preach <laughs> at all um we, let's keep going we've got fraser mcburney gives us five bucks and says trudeau is the only one who would send 155 million no sorry 155 millimeter cannons by ship with no ammunition it will take three weeks or more to get there why not use the c-117 cargo planes like we did in afghanistan well, you know, Sheila, I remember that story from a few years ago where Canadian Armed Forces personnel here in Canada engaging in war games, um, ammunition was at a premium or they ran out something. I don't know. So they were literally doing like kids, you know, uh, picking up a stick or making their hand into a gun like this and going pow, pow. Pow, pow. So maybe uh, Prime Minister Trudeau thought uh, if we do that in practice here, maybe we can just do it in a real war over in Ukraine. Um, every time the liberals are in power, they do stupid stuff like this. Like, I think it was uh, Jean Chrétien when uh, we deployed the Canadian military, I think, to the first Gulf War. And they were deployed in green instead of desert camo. And oh, we had yeah. to bomb bum off the americans every time the liberals are in power they're obsessed with other things in the military right now i don't know what it was back in the day when jean jean i almost said jean charret jean chrétien was in power um but uh now they're obsessed with gender neutral uniforms and pronouns and you yep. know making sure that the top brass aren't molesting the female staff around them um that seems to be the focus um and only one of those things is something that i care about um instead of actual like deployment ready Canadian forces. I feel so anyway. sorry for our armed forces personnel under this government, Sheila, I really do. Yeah, there's a lot of young people deciding, uh, maybe last year they thought they could see a career in the armed forces and this year saying, no, 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 yeah. not for me, I'll do something else. And that's too bad because it only leaves the most useless people behind. Alrighty. Uh, Twinks gives us a buck and says, for a lawyer, Sheree doesn't seem to understand the law. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> and King7734 gives us a buck and says, Jean Sheree's hairline is so recessed, he doesn't have a forehead, he has a five head. His head keeps getting taller. His hair keeps getting taller. <laughs> um, King Enmark gives us two bucks. Is it uh, is check the mail day to see if Kenny is voted out. It's going to be a long time before you see any results on the um, Jason Kenny leadership review because they did vote by mail. So they'll count as slow as they want to. I'm, I I don't understand, Sheila. Like, wh what else is the... What, what else are the, the postmen delivering these days aside from junk mail? That that Every ballot should be in by now, I say. A lot of rural Alberta, Alberta voted in this. And so if I can attest to anything, postal service uh, reliability out here in rural Alberta is 
atrocious. <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, GGFD gives us 10 bucks, donating 10 bucks because Sir John A. McDonald is still on the $100 note. And according to 77% of CTV Calgary viewers, they want that name to stay without paying attention to history. Yada, yada. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, I think Tamara did uh, quite a bit of work on uh, Sir John A. and and keeping his statue in place, even in his own hometown. Sheila, is it still in a sarcophagus? A... Pardon me? Is it still in that wooden sarcophagus? Oh, yeah, with a garbage bag over his head. And this oh, from Premier Ford, who said when Victoria, who was ahead of the curve in dismantling John A. McDonald's statue, said, ship it over to Queen's Park, we'll put it on our lawns. And then a couple years later, he bends the knee to the cancel culture mob and uh, covers up Sir John like it's offensive radioactive garbage. But Sheila, do you remember that story? It was some restaurant, might have been in Kingston. You know, forgive me if I'm getting the facts wrong, but I knew one thing about it. They were not accepting $10 bills with Sir John A. McDonald on it. I know we have some other images on the $10 uh, bills, but if you wanted to buy a slice of pizza or something, that was legal tender non grata. Um, just incredible, the virtue signaling, especially, there it is, pizza place owner. Where, uh, Super Producer Efren, where, where was that? Was it Kingston? Oh, sorry. It was Nova Scotia. I, I'm confusing Kingston because I was at a an attempt to tear down the Sir John A. Macdonald statue there and some hooligan threw a bottle off my head for just uh, reporting on that. But um, there you go. Uh, I've covered the food service business, Sheila. It is one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult businesses to uh, make a, a buck in. Uh, typically, 80% of new startup restaurants fail in the first three years of operation. And this guy, I guess he must have the best pizza parlor in the Maritimes. He's, he's picking and choosing uh, which cold, hard cash he wants to accept. Give me a break. Uh, let's keep going. We've got we're over time uh wrong way 54 said gives us a buck and said did someone once say when government becomes corrupt and law becomes unjust civil disobedience is our duty um i know ben franklin said rebellion to tyrants is obedience to god um and then it was uh appropriated by i think thomas jefferson and it was put on the seal of his personal seal that's um what it was used and i know there's a lot of pastors around these parts who definitely feel that way and acted that way. And and I see that signage all the time, Sheila, at Freedom uh, protests and the Yahoo protests here in uh, Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, last one, I think, uh, Becca Henderson, a buck. Have you seen all the attacks from feminists against churches mm. in America, including protesting at judges' houses? Nobody on the left is calling it out. Imagine if it was a mosque. Oh, yeah. yeah I, can't, I can't wait till the Alberta government or Jason Kenney remembers that he used to be a human rights activist and says something about the people barging into churches while people are actively praying and holding mass. And uh, the, the people dressed up in Handmaid's Tale yeah. Uh, outfit again i reiterate there are other books out there people read a different book <laughs> there are other books um anyway they're barging into churches disrupting masses um during like the most sacred point of the mass like during epiclesis like it is 
it's really terrible as a Catholic to see these things. Um, but I can't wait till Jason Kenney issues a statement or sends a tweet saying, oh, yeah. you know, like this is grotesque. Because I heard testimony where Alberta Health Services inspectors admitted to going into churches, albeit not Catholic churches, but it doesn't matter because it's not about my church or my religion. It's about everybody's religion and we're disrupting services. So they may have been there as an arm of the state, but what they were doing was the same. Yeah, I believe there was a pro-life uh, organization, a storefront that was firebombed in the firebombed. US. Yeah. yeah, this is terrorism. Yeah. Or as Nancy Pelosi would say, uh, a mostly peaceful protest. There were Supreme Court justices where the mob went to their houses. Now, thankfully, um, they are now beefing up security for the Supreme Court uh, judges and their families. Contrary to popular belief, folks, until this came along, uh, Supreme Court justices amazingly, didn't have a lot of security, but that just shows you how the world has changed, whether you're a Supreme at home uh, or whether you're traveling in the airport uh, post 9-11. Uh, it's a, a different world, and I guess we need different precautions because the tolerant, loving left, uh, they're, um, they've got a way, a, a funny way of conveying their feelings, usually via violence. And again, I made a mistake. I called them the loving left. I should have called them American Marxists, as Mark Levin does. Well, well. anyways, we are out of time, uh, Sheila, that hour uh, flew by quickly. I want to thank the uh, uh, broadcast uh, team. That would be Olivia, Efren, and Danny. We've got—sorry, uh, before we go, uh, if you can hang on for a couple of minutes, sure. I'd like to hang on for a couple of minutes because— We've got um, a very important video trailer for some very important work that our team has been working on behind yes. the scenes. Um, so let's roll it. And we'll talk about it for a couple of minutes right after the fact. Do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems and supply chains will be deeply affected. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say, our city. Boy, the uh, conspiracy theories are coming fast and furious these days. I can't keep up. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. Uh, what we're talking about here is uh, kind of distrust of the institution. In our city, we don't pay any rent because someone else is using our free space whenever we do not need it. My living room is used for business meetings when I'm not there. It's important that we look at what's happening right in front of us. Shopping? I can't really remember what that is. For most of us, it has been turned into choosing things to use. Sometimes I find this fun, and sometimes I just want the algorithm to do it for me. It knows my taste better than I do by now. Control your soul's desire for freedom, it says. Any effort to succeed at delivering on the sustainable development goals. My biggest concern is all the people who do not live in our city. Those we lost on the way. Those who decided that it became too much, all this technology. Those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over parts of our jobs. 
I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy. Nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do, think, and dream of is recorded. We want to be a very tra transparent organization. Sheila, I for one can hardly wait to see. Creepy, right? <laughs> that, oh, I mean, if the docuseries is as good as the trailer, that's five stars. That is just uh, fantastic, albeit ominous and, chill, uh, and chilling, I would say. Yeah, our, our guys behind the scenes, uh, Kian, Lewis, um, Dave, Efron, they've been working sort of behind the scenes. I don't know. I think we're approaching about four to six weeks here on this docuseries. It's very in-depth. Um, it's all the things that the mainstream media and Jean Charest tell you are conspiracy theories. They've dug down, for found original source documents, original source videos that show you this is not a conspiracy theory. And some of these things that they are already suggesting are playing out in real time. Um, for example, the EU has just uh, proposed to basically monitor all your text messages. And that is the lack of privacy that is promised in the name of public safety by the World Economic Forum. And Klaus Schwab sure looks like a bald vampire, doesn't he? Like, you tell know, me Sheila, he's not bald Dracula. <laughs> there's something about the baldness, something about the accent. I mean, all that's missing is the pinky at his lips when he makes a profound statement a la Dr. Evil. And then you've, you've got know. A, There's a, another guy <laughs> who sort of talks about things at the World Economic Forum, and he is 100% a vampire's familiar. He's like skinny and ashen and gray, and clearly he's been eating bugs. Um, like Renfield, um, <laughs> and um, you know, it's just these people are are horrible. They want to control your life. That you know, there's politics right now are really are people who want to be left alone, and the people who won't leave you alone. And unfortunately, the people who won't leave you alone are in power, and they sit at the World Economic Forum. And for politicians like Jean Charest to dismiss it as some kind of conspiracy theory is basically running cover for Christia Freeland, yeah. who is Canada's deputy prime minister. She holds the levers of power. She is slightly smarter than Justin Trudeau. And so she's really running the show. And she is involved in the World Economic Forum. It is something that every Canadian needs to know. And it needs to be on your radar. You should be worried about these sorts of things. And if your politicians tell you to not be worried, instantly be skeptical of those politicians. And you know, Sheila, for everything you just said, this is why we have never been busier this is why in the last year, I think we have doubled our staff. Um, yep. There's just so much to cover, and you can't depend on the mainstream media to cover this or at least cover it fairly. Um, so that gives us all the more reason to exist. Uh, yes, it does. Sorry, I just uh, popped open my email to see that apparently I have been accredited for the Conservative Party leadership debate tomorrow night, and that's something we should talk about too. So tomorrow the Conservative Party leadership debate is happening in sort of my backyard, but not really because I don't want to claim Edmonton. I want to distance myself from Edmonton as much as possible. <laughs> but uh, they, But there's a Conservative Party leadership debate happening in Edmonton tomorrow night. We uh, are planning a live stream, I think hosted by Ezra tentatively 
Don't Hold Me to That in studio in Toronto. And then we've got almost the entire Calgary team coming up. Um, and I'm headed into the socialist hellscape of Edmonton, too. And we're going to try to put some tough questions to the politicians. And we're planning. And boy, Jean Charest's given me a lot of ammunition. So um, <laughs> um, stay tuned for that. Um, we'll do our best to be as good as the team uh, last Thursday was in Ottawa. That's fantastic news. I mean, uh, you know, it's too bad their provincial counterpart, that would be the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, doesn't take notes. Uh, the likes of yours truly, Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun, when we went to the Ford Nation event, which I understand was a mere shadow of what it used to be in, in terms of attendance, um, we were denied entry. And the mainstream media vipers, the uh, Toronto Star, the, you know, the, the CBC, CTV, Global, welcomed with open arms. And um, the only thing I can think of, Sheila, are the, is, is the news coverage in which we go out onto the lawns of Parliament Hill and talk to what used to be Doug Ford's base, members of Ford yep. Nation, people who told me in 2018 they voted PC um, that have you know, staged these um, Yahoo Nation demonstrations for two years. So suddenly Premier Ford or more accurately his handlers, because I don't think Doug Ford is a true leader like his late great brother Rob Ford was. That's too offensive to them. They are literally shooting the messenger and it, it is staggering. So I'm happy to see that this virus hasn't spread to the uh, Federal Conservative Party, uh, Sheila, and that you are accredited. Good for you. Well, it's good because there are some, like, former um, Wild Rose staffers, I think, or doing the media organizing for this. So that's great. Um, it looks to me like Patrick Brown is going to be there because uh, oh. they also gave us, yeah, would they also gave us the opportunity, like, when the, you can come silently take a picture of the, uh, candidates walking in to use his b-roll like i care about patrick brown walking into a building but whatever if you're interested it's there but his his walkthrough time is th they've given it to us so um sounds like he's attending and jean is attending too so that's interesting and there's a post-debate scrum um happening at looks like 8 15 alberta time to nine o'clock so that's 45 minutes which means that most of them will probably be participating so i'm full of questions i don't know about you but i can't wait to ask questions well sheila i'm going to put on my amazing kreskin hat and and make a prediction if patrick brown dares show his face at the q a and we get to ask him a question, any member of our staff, he's not going to answer it. He is going to respond with a slur, and he is going to, uh, you know, do basically what Justin Trudeau and Jugmeet Singh did at the last uh, um, parliamentary debates uh, last year. So, but I can hardly wait uh, because there is so much to I can't wait to tell him. I can't wait to tell him. I can't wait to tell him, look... I'm a fully accredited Alberta journalist. You are in my backyard. I'm asking questions that Alberta conservatives want answers to. So please put aside your petty vindictiveness and just answer the question. Yep. And you will not get it answered. That's my prediction. Do you want to make a, a little side bet on the side? Ten bucks? Oh, he's not going to answer. Huh? You he's don't gonna do that? He, No, no. I, well, 
fine. Ten dollars uh, no, with a John what? and McDonald portrait on the ten. I agree <laughs> with you. He's not going to take our questions. I agree with you. He's not. So what am I betting on? Well, time we will tell. Anyway, we're way over time. We are holy smokes. <laughs> we're more than a uh, fifty minutes past the hour. So, folks, thank you for tuning in. A special thank you to all of you who uh, contributed a buck or three. It's how we keep the lights on. Of course, uh, thanks to my lovely co-host, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Make sure you don't miss our live stream coverage of that debate. Uh, as Billy Red Lions used to say, don't you dare miss it. As a matter of fact, it's going to be uh, something to see. And Sheila and I will be back in this spot. No, actually, I will not be back on Thursday, Sheila. A little housekeeping note. I'll be in Ottawa covering the pro-life march, uh, something that attracts thousands of people, but never attracts media coverage for some reason. The and when largest it does, march in Canada yeah. every single year, the largest, and you will not see it on mainstream media, except 100%. when they complain about the traffic caused by it. So I won't be back until Tuesday, but uh, there'll be two different rebels here at this time in this place uh, tomorrow. And as always, folks, in the meantime, stay sane. You can create algorithms that know me better than I know myself. And humans really don't know themselves very well. This is why algorithms have a real chance of getting to know ourselves better. We don't really know ourselves. To give an example, when I was 21, I finally realized that I was gay after living for several years in denial. And this is not exceptional. A lot of gay men live in denial for many years. They don't know something very important about themselves. Now imagine the situation in 10 or 20 years when an algorithm can tell any teenager exactly where he or she is on the gay straight spectrum and even how malleable this position is. The algorithm tracks your eye movements, your blood pressure, your brain activity, and tells you who you are. Now maybe you can create algorithms